0: down for the scripture reading. The reading of God's holy word from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven And going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women,
1: Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay,
0: then Jesus said to them,
1: Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. You know, for many people they think of the Bible as merely a list of to-dos and to to-do and to not-dos <laughs> and uh, filled with commands. But do you know which command is the most often repeated in the Bible? Do not be afraid. In fact, the command "Do not be afraid" is found 365 times in the Bible, one for every day of the year. And it's found often around the resurrection. The first words from the angel to the women was, "Do not be afraid." And similarly, when Jesus appeared to the women when they were leaving the tomb with this news that the tomb had been found empty and the angel had appeared, what were Jesus' first words to them? Do not be afraid. We need to hear those words, don't we? Because probably the greatest problem, central problem, and challenge for human beings is we are often afraid. We have all kinds of fears we fear things like the decisions we make and our fears can impact our decision making we fear what people think of us we fear of the fail- we fear failure you like me might be afraid of heights recently i was connecting with my mentor buddy we link up one caring adult with uh, one of our children or youth in the life of the church so we can do life together and encourage them and one of our questions we were discussing was what was one What is one irrational fear you have? And my mentor buddy Jacob shared his. I think it was spiders. And I shared mine. I said, my irrational fear is heights. But I actually don't think it's irrational. I think it's very rational to have a fear of heights. But in fact, I'm not really afraid of heights. I'm not really afraid of falling from heights. I'm afraid of hitting the ground from great heights. We deal with all kinds of fears, don't we, in life? And the good news of the risen resurrection of Jesus is just this. You don't have to be afraid. Because of the resurrection, we can live without fear. In Eugene Peterson's message translation of 2 Corinthians 5, 14-15, it says this. Jesus included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. When you live according to the resurrection of Jesus, the Bible says you're living a better life, a life free from fear. All our lives we have people tell us and send us messages. Messages like we are not good enough, we're not strong enough, we're not smart enough, we're not worthy, we're not uh, worthy to be loved, um, we're not beautiful. And in the midst of all these messages we hear in our lives each and every day, what we can say because of the gospel of Jesus Christ is those are lies. The fears we face can be overwhelmed, overcome, defeated ultimately because we place our hope in the renewal and confidence of forgiveness that Jesus offers us. That offer comes from someone outside ourselves, from Jesus, in fact. So it's not about drumming up feelings like, I don't need to be afraid right now. It's actually because someone who is so loving, so powerful enough to overcome the grave, stepped into this world, spoke his words into existence and fulfilled them through rising from the dead. And because of that, we don't have to be afraid. If Jesus didn't live as he lived or die as he died or rise as he said he would, then Christians really are spending our lives chasing a fairy tale. We might call our faith childish, stupid, or pitiable. It's for this reason that Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 lists the eyewitnesses of the resurrection as his sources. He was a hard-headed, Roman-educated Jew, conversant in philosophy as well as the Scriptures, but he relied, his anchor, his faith was on none of that. His life was transformed, and he drew his assurance from the people who saw with their own eyes that Jesus had been risen from the dead and were changed by it. The Bible is filled with evidence for the resurrection. The gospel has several resurrection appearances, and several of them are listed in 1 Corinthians 15. In Matthew, he has two of them. The one that was just read, that Jesus appeared to the women leaving the empty tomb who had just heard the announcement of the angel. Jesus appeared and said, do not be afraid. I like to think of him just simply saying, it worked. I'm here. I have overcome the dead. What I said would happen, did happen. I tell you the truth, I have risen. But also, the women are told to go and tell the disciples. And if you follow Matthew's account, and I encourage you today, sometime after whatever else you have going on today, read Matthew 28 for yourself. Allow its words to sink into your own heart and life. For not only did Jesus appear to the women, He appeared to the disciples. And what we can say is, it is undeniable that a large number of people believed that they had seen their crucified leader, Jesus, alive again after death. And it was upon this conviction and this witness that the early church of Jesus Christ was built. It was this experience of resurrection that moved them out of places of fear, and led them into places of faith. The point of this message is this. The resurrection of Jesus has the power to defeat our fears, just as Jesus defeated death. Let me say that again. The resurrection has the power to defeat our fears, just as Jesus defeated death. It would take the resurrection of Jesus, to move those followers out of places of defeat, fear, uh, betrayal, deserting Jesus, into places of vibrant faith and witness. Because just think, by Sunday morning, Judas had betrayed Jesus, Peter had denied Jesus, his other disciples had abandoned him, Caiaphas had uh, condemned him, Herod had mocked him, Pilate had tortured and crucified him. Yet no power on earth or beyond this earth could keep the Messiah in the grave. Amen? Amen. Jesus' crucifixion was not the end of the story, but only the beginning. The beginning of a glorious new chapter in God's relationship with humankind. Ever after, Jesus is now seated on the throne of heaven and he has power to rule and reign. He has all authority and heaven and on earth has been given to him. Guess what? He is the one who decides. And the one who decides who gets in and who comes to him has defeated death and overcome the grave and is alive now forevermore. And his arms are stretched out to you reaching out to you this morning as he has throughout your life to say I love you like this and that in me the impossible has become possible. The startling example or announcement that he has risen was accompanied with amazing, spectacular uh, events. There was an earthquake, just as there had been an earthquake at his death. There's now an earthquake at his resurrection. There was an empty tomb, an appearance of an angel and the revelation of instructions for the apostles. Go tell those guys who deserted me, betrayed me and denied me that guess what? I love them anyway and I want them back. And if you showed up this morning thinking, I don't deserve to come in the sanctuary. I'm not worthy of being here. Guess what? You're not and you don't. And neither do I. But Jesus wants us anyway. He overcame the grave to overcome the barriers and relationship between us. And when people think of this life being all there is, and this life being so hard to, to live, what we're just saying about is that because he lives, we can face today and we can face tomorrow in faith because we know who holds our future. And guess what? The one who holds the future is actively wanting to be present in your present. He doesn't just want to wait relationship with you in the future. He wants to engage with you in the here and now. Most every morning on Sunday mornings, I've shared with our congregation that I sing the song, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me on my way into church, praying that God would fill me and prepare me for this message. And about the Dorsey off-ramp, I turn to Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on us, melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. And today, for whatever reason, as I started to sing that song on my way into church, it was Spirit of the Living God risen Jesus fall afresh on me spirit of the resurrected Christ melt me mold me fill me use me I need you today we need him today and the good news is I love the the juxtaposition here as the angel would announce he is not here he has risen today we can say he is here and he's risen the Spirit is here. He's present with us and He loves you and cares about you and wants to be present with you not only in this hour together, but in every minute, second, hour, day of your life. And He wants to transform your fears into faith. Let's just think about the characters around the tomb for, the second, for a moment. The angel comes down, there's an earthquake, the rock is moved, and, and the tomb is empty. And the first people that experience that are actually the guards before the women. I think the women are actually still on their way to the tomb when this occurs. And the guards, we are told, shake like dead men. Think about this. These guards are supposed to be guarding a dead guy, and they become like. Dead man, because the guy they thought to be dead isn't dead anymore. He's risen. And the only people left in the, this kind of fear-bound sense of what happened there around the tomb are those guards who flee because they feared for their lives because they weren't that great of guards. Or at least not good enough to keep Jesus in because God was getting him out. And when we see this juxtaposition of the fear of the guards, we can then see the juxtaposition of the women coming to the empty tomb. They see this angel and this announcement is made. He is not here. He has risen. Do not be afraid. And friends, this is the greatest discovery ever made. That the tomb was empty that day, and it was verified in their experience. It's not just something they said, like, hey, I heard that the tomb was empty. You know, wasn't that a great story? No, it's something they actually saw. And what happened is, when they saw the empty tomb, their own internal emptiness... Grief, loss, and fear as a result of the sense or experience of their dead founder and friend Jesus, their emptiness all of a sudden became the the emptiness of the grave, all of a sudden led to this great fullness for them. Their fear was gone. They had faith, or at least they were led into what I will call a different kind of fear. Not a fear of loss and grief that they carried with them to the grave but a fear that was an awe and wonder of expectancy and excitement and and joy. It says they even left the tomb with a sense of joy and wonder at what they had seen. They're given words of comfort, do not be afraid, of assurance. I know you're looking for Jesus and ultimately of commission. Come and see where he lay, but then go and tell my disciples about him. The empty tomb led to this vibrancy, Of faith. And because they had experienced the empty tomb with their own eyes, there was no hallucination taking place. The tomb was empty and Jesus was alive. And they were led from places of fear to places of faith. I love that phrase Do not be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus. And the reason I love that phrase so much is I don't think it fits just their experience. Do not be afraid, the two women, I know you're looking for Jesus. I can say to you today, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. Because your fears often lead you into all kinds of actions, poor decision making out of fear, anxiety, just you know, worry. And I think nowadays many of us are more worried about living than we are about dying. I mean, in the sense of living has become so difficult over the last few years. But because he lives, it can transform our living as well as whatever fears we have about dying. Because both can be transformed. Because we know the future will be transformed in Jesus if we welcome him and accept him as our Lord and Savior, then that transforms the way we act and the way we operate in the present. There is proof. He was not there. And his not being there was then verified as soon as they left the tomb because they saw him. I told you, essentially, he says, and you don't need to be afraid. And Jesus echoes many of the words of the angels in his resurrected appearance to the women. They not only need to not be afraid because of the empty tomb, because of the earthquake, because of the angel's presence and announcement, they don't have to be afraid because Jesus was there with them. And just as Jesus was with them and said that he would be with his disciples, they could go ahead of him because he was going to meet them there. The good news of the gospel is Jesus wants to meet you today. He wants you to know his presence I don't often hear the audible voice of God. I, I believe I have in a couple of experiences in my life, but I often hear the still small voice of God. And yesterday was one of those days filled with just kind of Easter you know, fun. We had some friends over. Beth and I were here setting up things and just preparing for the baptisms and confirmations today and just the good events of the day, and new, uh, evidences of new life and of spiritual milestones. And, and in the middle of the preparing last night, you know, I was just going through things, getting ready, and, and, I, and I just felt like Jesus said, hello. And it was a still, small voice. It wasn't audible, but it was just kind of like, hello. And it was kind of like, I want to remind you, I'm actually here. You're not just going through the stuff. You're not just preparing to tell people about my resurrection. I actually just want to remind you here, Mike, that I'm here with you and that we're going to do this together And isn't it more joyful to do things together? And it's particularly more joyful to do things with Jesus. Because we're never alone, ultimately. And we can have the joy of knowing that because of his resurrection, he is with us. And I love the fact then that the women left, it says, with fear, but a different kind of fear. Not of grief and loss and sadness. Fear of wonder, awe, and amazement. That kind of fear. And guess what, friends? I want to live with that kind of fear. And you know what that's the kind of fear I think I've lost over the last couple years. The awe and wonder and sense of amazement at God because many of us have felt so beaten down by life circumstances and 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 we're wearing masks and just those different experiences that have sort of you know where we kind of just felt hindered relationally. And again, there's good reasons to wear masks at times. Please hear me on this. But also, there's that, that invitation of just relationship and, and the dynamic that, that comes with human connection and seeing Jesus in this experience, especially for them in his resurrected presence. But for us, even seeing one another today. I had the experience of getting to visit one of our church members, John, uh, the week before last. And John passed away two days later after my visit with him. But in my visit with him, I came in and um, John, you know, had some awareness, but, but nearing his passing, you know, he looked up at me and he, he saw me with a mask and he just had this unclear look on his face and kind of of confusion. And I just briefly pulled my mask down and smiled. And John's countenance just changed. All of a sudden it was, wait, I know you. There was familiarity. There was recognition. And in a much greater way, Jesus' appearance to the women that day was, I know you. The mask was dropped. There was a fullness of connection and a joy and celebration so much so that we are told that the women bowed down and just clasped onto His feet. And I think if Jesus hadn't said, remember, your mission now is to go and tell the men that I've been risen from the dead. We've got to wake up those guys because they're hurting. They deserted me. They betrayed me. They denied me. They need to know that I'm alive. I think they would still be there today holding on to his feet. But their worship of him was led led into a witness for him. And that witness for him was part of the transformation of their fears and their being led into places of faith. And as I close this message, I just want to mention three reasons why the resurrection, again, defeats our fears. And the first reason, I want to say, is that you know Jesus tells you the truth. Throughout history, many people have claimed to be God or Messiah, some type of Savior, but only one, Jesus, proved it. The Bible says Jesus was declared to be God's Son with great power by the rising by His rising from the dead in Romans 1.4. In other words, without the resurrection, you couldn't trust anything Jesus said. But because of the resurrection, you can trust what Jesus says about God, heaven, and everything else He taught because He rose from the dead like He said He would. When we understand that Jesus tells the truth, You can trust what he says and it becomes easier to let go of your fears. The fears you have about people's expectations of you, the fears you have related to people's judgments of you can be overcome because of who he is and what he has said about you in him. You are no longer the person that other people think you are. You are a daughter or a son of the living God. You are of great worth and value. And he's Bringing you and making you into a more and more beautiful person as he transforms you into his image. Second reason you can give up your fear is that you know death isn't the end. Until Jesus rose from the dead, you didn't know if there was life after the death. No one after death, no one did. But because there now is proof. Because Jesus rose from the dead and changed that, we can know and trust that the grave is not the end. You don't need to fear death because Jesus' resurrection shows us that death isn't the end of the story. Amen? It's really the beginning of your eternal life in God's presence. And we can now live, learn to live without fear now. He wants to transform your life now, not just into eternity. First Peter two, or 1 Peter 1, through 3-4 says... Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and that future starts now. We don't wait to live an eternal kind of life. We start living an eternal kind of life now, and it transforms everything. It's all made new. Thirdly, you can know that God loves you extravagantly. God didn't just send you a postcard with a note saying how much he loves you. He didn't just let you know what he's up to from Facebook, Instagram, anything like that. He cared enough to send you the very best himself. He came in person, and he not only came in person, he died for you in person, and was risen from the grave for you in person. Jesus, was dying, when he was dying on the cross with his arms outstretched, was essentially saying, look, I am loving you here. I love you. Like this, I love you this much, with arms outstretched. And because of that, fear and love have, cannot ultimately don't exist now in the same place. The Bible tells us there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. When you invite Jesus into the door of your heart, guess what happens? Fear goes out the back door. And we've all been carrying plenty of fears over the last few years. And I understand there are rational fears. But something, in a way, we might say happened that could be said as irrational. The one who was dead rose from the dead and is no longer dead. He is alive again forevermore. And because of that, it transforms everything. This year, as you celebrate Easter, remind yourself that because Jesus was raised from the dead, you are no longer a prisoner to fear. That's good news, such good news that you're going to want to share it with other people. The women who were told by the the angel that there was good news, that he was risen, and Jesus' own announcement of his resurrection was so confirmed that the women went and quickly told his disciples. And I just want to remind us that perhaps the greatest evidence that all this occurred is not only the empty tomb and the earthquake and and the angel speaking to the women and Jesus appearing in resurrected form. Perhaps the greatest evidence, again, is that their lives were literally transformed. And people who had denied him, and people who had deserted him, all of a sudden, because of their encounter of him, became emboldened witnesses for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were so bold that you and I, at least today, if not before, have heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God has a design for relationship with you, and each of us have departed that, from that design in our sin, and have experienced brokenness, and perhaps our biggest brokenness is the fears we carry. But the, the good news is Jesus' death can overcome those fears and that brokenness. And if we accept it by believing and receiving in Him, we can get back in touch with God's design and live out a kingdom kind of life for the rest of our life. And that is a life that is actually free without fear. The good news, friends, is that God has led us into a place where we can be forgiven and set free. And in John 1.12, it tells us as much. Yet to all who have received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to say out loud with me, I am a child of God. One, two, three. I am a child of God. And there is no fear, and there is nothing you may face today, tomorrow, or in the future that can change that. Because Jesus' death has been overcome And he's now living in victory and inviting you to live into that kind of victorious life and to have your life transformed as a result. Living out our Easter faith, we can acknowledge several things. You have now become a new person. The old is gone, the new has come in Jesus. You can pick up your cross daily and live through the hard times because he lives. And you can face tomorrow. You can choose a new path, take a new direction because Jesus has set out that path and direction for us. And you can know that you will be raised to life. Friends, a great exchange has taken place. His life for yours. And when you accept that exchange, you find your life in His. Amen?